0: This afternoon, I preach through the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 32. And we'll read that together. It's the first question and answer of the third part of the catechism, dealing with our thankfulness. So we've already considered our sins and misery in the first part, our deliverance in the second part, and now the focus is on our thankfulness, and that's the section of the catechism or confession we also look at good works obedience to the commandments here the church confesses since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ without any merit of our own why must we yet do good works because Christ having redeemed us by his blood also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life, by no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like shall inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the sermon this morning we heard about Paul's warning in Acts chapter 20 that was directed to the Ephesian elders about fierce wolves who were threatening the flock and seeking to devour the flock of God. The imagery of wolves attacking the flock can also be found In Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 27 to 28, where the Lord compares the princes in Israel to wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, and destroying lives to get dishonest gain, while her prophets smear whitewash for them, seeing false visions. This language comes back now in our Lord's teaching when he warns about false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous or hungry or or wolves that are desiring to to devour. Such false prophets are a danger because they pretend to be one thing on the outside, but they are in fact wolves because they really only care about themselves. They may use the right words our Lord Jesus taught us. They may use the words of honor when they pray to Jesus. You can see that in verse 21, saying, Lord, Lord, and so making it appear that they think he is their master. They may have preached in the name of the Lord Jesus, attaching the authoritative, thus says the Lord to their prophecies. They may even have used the name of Jesus to cast out demons and do many mighty works, giving a display of divine power, just like the true sheep of Jesus' flock. They may build houses, just like Jesus' sheep build houses. But in spite of all this activity and all their claims, the Lord Jesus' warning is clear, they are not his sheep if we follow the words of false prophets, if we are misled from the voice of the good shepherd to follow hired hands like you read about in John 10, we are in danger of being destroyed from the ravenous wolves. However, even worse than that, we are in danger of being condemned by God himself. Just those verses we read in chapter 7 describe the destruction, the end of those who turn away from him. There are many who are walking on an easy path to the wide gate that leads to destruction. Jesus told us clearly in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. We confess in Lord's Day 32 that the Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, will inherit the kingdom of God. All this makes it very clear that there's a close connection between the works that people do on the earth in their time while they're living here the, on the earth and their eternal dwelling place. And that only Christ's sheep will do good works. I preached you this gospel under the following theme, Christ's sheep behave differently than wolves, even wolves in sheep's clothing. We'll see that Christ's sheep hear his words and do them They show themselves thankful to God, and they are attractive to their neighbors. When our Lord Jesus made his judgment against the wolves and some in sheep's clothing, he didn't focus on the claims that they were making. He didn't focus on their displays of power. But he looked at whether or not they did the will of his Father in heaven. Jesus tells us that the difference between the sheep who love him and the wolves who don't love him is how they react to his words. And you can see that by comparing verse 24 of chapter 7 to verse 26. Both hear the words, but they react differently. Now these words of mine that our Lord Jesus speaks about We can go back to the rest of this Sermon on the Mount and see that they include a call to holiness and obedience to God's will, but also the promise that he he gives that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's in chapter 5, verses 17 and following. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets so that we might be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Those are also words of our Lord Jesus that we are to pay attention to. Now it can be discouraging as sinners to know that God is looking for righteousness in our lives. Like an a owner, owner of a vineyard might look for grapes, the fruit among the vines. And we know ourselves and we might find that discouraging But the gospel message is that God our Father is actually looking for the righteousness that he has given to us in Jesus Christ. Although we all by nature are wolves who are inclined to hate God and our neighbor, in his grace God has made us to be new creatures from the inside out. And that's the starting point of all the talk and confession about good works. Having renewed us by his Spirit to be in his image, he now judges us according to our desire to receive Christ's righteousness for for us and in our place by the faith that he himself has given to us. Only sheep belonging to Christ's flock can show those marks of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven that we read about in the Blessed Statements. They could show that humility of the poor in spirit, the mourning of those who hate their own sins, the meekness of those who are content in God's grace, the hunger and thirst for righteousness that our Lord Jesus talked about, mercy for those who are in need, and that pure, undivided heart that is is found in those who desire to make Peace, even in the midst of persecution. Only Christ's sheep, he says, hear His words and do them, and receive God's grace. The illustrations that our Lord Jesus gives in the passage we read shows us the different ways that our true new nature is made visible in the world to others. In the same way that a sheep is a different animal than a wolf. And will necessarily behave differently, so also Christians are new creatures and will necessarily behave differently than people who do not love the Lord. A wolf in sheep's clothing, standing still and quiet in the middle of the flock and moving at the appropriate time and going through the motions, sheep motions, just like any other sheep, is hard to spot. But when that wolf gets hungry, and when that wolf needs to serve his own desires, then the truth will eventually come out. Our true nature is made visible when we face those temptations and we we find that we have no desire or strength to resist and fight against it, and we persist in those sins. The sins also that we confess, we persist in them without turning to God. The truth comes out. Well, using the plant analogy, Jesus tells us that no matter how much a thornbit bush appears to look like a grapevine or a thistle tree appears to look like a fig tree or a diseased tree it looks like it might be okay. The outer appearance means very little and the farmer judges whether or not to keep the plant based on the fruit that it produces. Although you may not be able to tell right away, eventually when it's time to produce fruit, to do something, our true nature is made visible by the things that we choose to do with our time, with our money, with our with our uh, resources. If there are no fruit, or if there's no fruit, or there are no grapes or figs, well then you can know that you mislabeled the plant. Bad fruit proves the true tree was diseased. The truth always comes out. The analogy of the house, the two houses, is similar. When you walk up on a sunny day, you might think the two houses are exactly the same. However, when the storm hits, then the truth comes out. You will see which house was built on sand and which house was built on the rock. Our true nature is made visible when we face hardships in our lives. Will our peace and joy and confidence collapse because it was based on some temporary idols? Or will they weather the storm because God himself is the source of faith, the rock of truth in our lives? Will we wither and fall in the hour of tribulation, or will we continue to produce the fruit of thankfulness that is a necessary consequence of the Spirit's renewing work in our hearts? Christ's sheep, we see, do everything in thanksgiving to God. Romans 12, verse 2. In Romans 12, verse 2, the Holy Spirit urges us, and the text is well known, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Colossians 3 reminds us that we have died and our life is hidden uh, with Christ in God. For in him, Colossians 3 verse 10, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The gospel message is that when the Spirit of Christ renews the lives of all those whom he has redeemed by his blood, and when he makes us capable of showing ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, the joy of being in Christ makes praising God the only really natural thing for us to do. When God works in our hearts, he gives us the desires of Adam and Eve in paradise, who didn't need to earn anything by doing good works, since they had it already, but they simply did good works because it was a part of living in fellowship and peace with God. In Christ, we are brought back into that relationship with our Father in heaven. The works that are left for us to do to show ourselves thankful are simply the receiving acts of opening the gifts that Christ has obtained for us, of opening our mouths to be fed like we sing or say in Psalm 81, trusting that God will carry us as he promised and and resting in his words. And then expressing our joy and our thanksgiving in songs and prayers and words of continual praise. As Ephesians 2 verse 10 says so clearly, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Among these works of receiving God's grace with thankfulness and praising his holy and awesome name is regular repentance. Strikingly, the difference between wolves and sheep is not whether or not they commit sins, but how they respond to the sins in their lives. Wolves who feel no love for the good shepherd Wolves who only care about their own reputation and their own needs, they do not want to hear about their sins, much less confess them publicly and repent from them. They are not grateful to God for his benefits. They do not praise God from their heart. They do not confess and repent from their sins and even when exhorted to embrace the grace of God in Jesus Christ, they do not turn to God from their sins, from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life. That word impenitent means uh, unrepentant, unwilling to repent. Wolves in sheep's clothing might pretend to do good things, but inwardly they are no different than those who hate the Lord, and we must, not be caref- we must be careful not to willingly participate in false prophecy and hypocrisy. You can tell that God has worked in your heart when your love for God leads you to confess your sins before Him, mourn your sins, have a poor spirit and humility and meekness. Followers of Jesus Christ still commit sins, yet the Holy Spirit in their hearts is making them desire to fight against their sinful desires in an ongoing process of sanctification, becoming holy. As we saw last week, God uses discipline to help us in this struggle, and He calls parents and other spiritual leaders to be active in correcting the sins that we are committing. There's also a proactive side to fighting against sins that the whole community is involved with. See that in our Lord Jesus' instruction about exhorting a brother who sins against you in Matthew 18. You can also see that in the joint fight of the church and this congregation against the pervasive and life-destroying sins of pornography and other addictions. In programs such as Life Renewal and now the, the Conqueror series, we are given an opportunity as God's people to help one another in the battle against sin, the battle for purity, as we call out sin boldly, standing one beside the other, proactively to protect ourselves from such sins. You see, pretending that everything is okay and failing to fight or even arming ourselves, failing to arm ourselves for a fight, they are responses of sheep in wolves or wo- wolves in sheep's clothing but Christ's sheep will work hard to seek repentance so that they may also rejoice in the forgiveness of sins that's a part of showing ourselves thankful to God for all that Christ Jesus has obtained for us that concerted effort to fight against sins and the power of the Holy Spirit is a good work that shows ourselves thankful for the benefits we have in Jesus Christ. And you can see again in the bulletin this week, there's an opportunity for us, uh, young men, young women, older men, older women, to to take this struggle on head uh, uh, by the horns, to to fight against it together, to, to live in thankfulness for what we have in Jesus Christ. This fight also grants us assurance of our faith, In Jesus Christ you see in times of greatest weakness in those times when we're feeling despair over our own daily sins of weakness we can see the gospel of Jesus Christ and the comfort of our desire to fight against sin our salvation doesn't depend on our good works our desire to fight against sin is however evidence of our faith in Christ gives us great comfort in times of darkness, always look at that desire to fight as a light of the work of the Holy Spirit in your hearts, even in the midst of the deepest despair. In addition to this, when sheep who have not yet been called into the flock that our Lord Jesus talks about in John 10, when they see the, the, saving, the, the fruit of God's saving work in the lives of God's people, God also uses the confidence of his sheep, the joy they find in the shelter of his grace to bring them in to himself. Christ's sheep are attractive to their neighbors. The good works of Christians that God prepared in advance for us to do also serve a purpose in the lives of our neighbors who do not yet know God. The good news is that your faith in God and your transformed lives and your open fight against sin as we help one another in this fight, they will be a blessing to your neighbors. They may even be used by God to bring your neighbor to Jesus Christ. As a result, we recognize that we have an obligation to our unchurched neighbors who are restlessly seeking solutions to their basic human needs. And at this time as the Edmonton Mission Board, as we're preparing for the work of outreach in our neighborhood and in our city and in our province, and we're thinking of what that means, we're studying a book by Williams called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. And that book highlights three common basic human needs that, that everybody in their lives faces. And those needs are community, identity, and a sense of purpose. And then we see that as Christians, it's important for our neighbors to know how much of a blessing it is to belong to Jesus Christ, to be sheep of his flock. The first human need that is common to all people of all cultures and all backgrounds is community. People need to feel that they belong somewhere. The communion of saints in a church congregation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Our desire to see and to serve the well-being of our neighbor testifies to the blessing of God's work in our lives. And as a congregation, we do fairly well at caring for one another. We happily work together to ensure that we have a place of worship. Our children are educated in the truth of the gospel. And the practical needs of those in distress are taken care of. We're also fairly good at reaching out to others with financial gifts, supporting mission, defending the vulnerable in our society, and reaching out to our neighbors in the same street as us in love. I think we can also say that we've worked very hard to put the windows in the the walls of the church so our neighbors can know that we are a community in their neighborhood that is open to receive visitors, invitations to church community events, publicly available recordings of our worship services, invitations on social media, a general willingness among members to talk about their faith with joy together with our neighbors, the involvement now of a full-time outreach worker, constantly coming up with other ideas, how we can sow the seed of the gospel. These things ensure that the attractiveness of being Christ's flock is known in our community. However, knowing that the church is attractive can only be valuable to our neighbors if they also have access to this community. And the question must always be on our minds, whether or not we as individuals, as families, as a congregation, are also open to receive those in whom God works faith. You could think about it for yourself. If, if you or if I came from outside the church community because I'm attracted by the good works of the congregation that I saw on the internet or that I heard about from a member of the congregation, and if I now want to be a part of, Of this community, this congregation that I, that I saw, and I want to worship the one triune God, what will I encounter when I walk into the building on a Sunday, when I walk into your home during the week? When I walk in, will I be greeted and introduced to people, welcomed into the activities of the congregation? Able to have fellowship with real people, just like me, doing regular things. Able to ask questions, to talk about my life and my needs. Or at least be able to leave a name and number on a visitor card for further follow-up. It would be good if we continue to think of ways to welcome people into the community, into the community of Christ's body, into our church building into our worship services, into our homes, and into our regular lives so that it's not an event, but it's a natural relationship in that desire for community, but above that, the desire to glorify Christ. If we only focus on our inward activities, and if outreach is only focused on installing windows so that others can look in, Then we still need to work hard to ensure that there are many doors that people may walk through to join in with us. Preparing for an increased number of visitors to our building is a sign of our faith in God's blessing on our increased outreach efforts and the calling of a, or the hiring of an outreach worker. We see this, and as your minds are thinking about it, you can also think of that responsibility that each one of us has as individuals. Maybe you see something is missing. We're called to do something so that it's provided for. The second human need that is common to all people of all cultures and all backgrounds is identity. The first is community, and the second is identity. And although there are a lot of questions and a lot of criticisms concerning the Christian teaching that we are male and female, created in the image of God, renewed by the Spirit of Christ to be prophets, priests, and kings who are citizens of an eternal kingdom, many in the world long for the certainty about who we are that the Bible gives to us as God's people to be valued and loved so much by the creator of heaven and earth who sent his son to save sinners of of whom we know ourselves to also be in spite of our rebellion in spite of our confusion that's the most wonderful place to be a father who loves us unconditionally as we are even in our sins. Recognizing that we are equally sinners before God who need His grace. And then being able to promise this very grace without discrimination or partiality to everyone who confesses their sins. Who believes in Jesus Christ so that we are now identified with Christ as Christians. That's a blessed truth that can be offered with all humility, with all love. To everyone who has been called by God. In his grace, God offers dignity to every human being he created. And he calls us as his church to communicate this dignity in our conversation with and our treatment of our neighbors. The third human need that is common to all people is a sense of purpose. Purpose. The divine call to glorify the God, the creator of heaven and earth, to walk with him as, as a calling, to walk with him in peace and fellowship today and forevermore is the exact sense of purpose that many people are longing for. To have purpose when you do your work. To see marriage as a blessing that also has a greater goal. For the glory of God, not just for what you can get out of it. To know that you have a calling and God made you for a purpose. That's a most attractive prospect. It's a a blessing we have that many of us may not even realize. Having instructions from God himself written by his own finger about how to live well in the world that he made, along with warnings about things that are harmful. That's also a blessing. The commandments, you shall not kill or steal or tell lies or commit adultery. All these are commands that also point us to a better way of living. They give purpose. In fellowship with God, there is joy. The world needs to hear this. They need the light of God's word. Those who live in darkness will be blessed by God's light. You can think about the passages that speak like this. Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. Jesus says to God's people, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others. Let let the light that God has worked in your hearts and in your lives, the the change He's given to you, let that shine before others so that they may see your good works, your joy, your thankfulness, your repentance, your humility, and your love. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and 12 Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. And then, Peter continues, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day of the visit- uh, of visitation. You see that God has given us those human needs that have been identified by sociologists, community, identity, and sense of purpose. And we also see that God made you His sheep for a reason that goes beyond just your own salvation. He made you sheep who depend on Christ, who receive His mercy, who praise God every day by your thankfulness so that... He might delight in you, he might delight in our fellowship, and his name might be lifted up and glorified by your lives. He renewed you by his Holy Spirit, poured out from heaven so that you might live differently in this life, and you yourself can find comfort in the evidence of his grace in your hearts. And he uses us, he uses you as a community, a family of faith, identifying you as his own people and calling you to live before him in all holiness so that those who do not yet know him may come to the light of life in Christ. Well, may God help us to be steadfast in our countercultural faith, to open our hearts and our homes to people we don't even know very well yet and to join with all God's sheep in praising Him today and then for all eternity. Amen.